0: Herbs have been used by people since the dawn of time. When Rockefeller introduced allopathic medicine, many herbal remedies fell by the wayside as people put their faith in prescription pills and the world just gets sicker. Here at Heathen Herbs, we look to the past and to nature for answers. We offer tinctures, magnesium skin cream, lip balm, tooth powder, colloidal silver throat spray, and more. Check us out at HeathenHerbs.com.
1: You've made a serious investment in protecting yourself and your family. You've purchased a gun, the ammunition, the training, and even secured a license to carry in your state. You know the Constitution and don't believe you should have to pay for a right that you already have as written in the Second Amendment, but you are law-abiding. Now you are considering the legal defense options you should have if you ever have to use a firearm. Self Defense Fund is a comprehensive litigation membership backing you on appeals, legal expenses, court costs and more, up to $1 million per incident and unlimited attorney costs per member. Discover selfdefensefund.com for yourself. Any weapon, any state, any time. Reality Check.
3: That's DixieRepublic.com, where you can meet all of your Southern needs. While you're waiting, drop by our Confederate corner for a free cup of coffee and good conversation. Remember, there are no strangers here, just friends who haven't met yet. Dixie Republic, we're not just a roadside attraction, we're a destination for our people. For more information, visit DixieRepublic.com.
2: Rampant hacking,
3: identity theft, mass surveillance. Defending yourself today is not an option. It's a requirement. Introducing the Conceal Shield Travel Pack from DefenderShield.com. Conceal Shield is cutting-edge wireless blocking technology that eliminates all signals, including EMF, GPS, and RFID. Place cell phones, credit cards, IDs, and other trackable items into the Conceal Shield, and they become totally invisible. Get Conceal Shield now
2: at DefenderShield.com. Use promo code CONCEAL for 10% off. Guard your privacy, secure your data, and protect your health with Conceal Shield. Are you prepared to bug out? Infidel body armor and an army ranger have produced a high-speed DVD and book to show you how to drive in combat, patrol, and how to survive in combat. Skills you'll need when it hits the fan. Go to DrivenDVD.com. DrivenDVD.com.
0: There are many water filters to choose from, but there is only one system that is consistently customer rated 5 stars as the number one system for effective filtration of fluoride, radiation, drug residues, heavy metals, a wide range of radioisotopes, and more. Introducing the Pure Effect Ultra, the next generation water filter that also raises alkaline pH, improves antioxidant potential, and has advanced anti radiation technology all while using no electricity. Sold worldwide, it provides virtually instant clean water on demand. It is not made in China, and the shipping is free to all 50 states. Buy your Pure Effect Ultra today by visiting pureeffectfilters.com or call 888-891-4821. Again, that's 888-891-4821 or visit pureeffectfilters.com.
4: You're listening to Resolution
5: Radio, 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 ResolutionRDO.com.
4: You're listening to Firearms Trainers Podcast, Season 5, Episode 10, published on May 9th, 2023. This episode, we'll be talking to Ed Gelhaus about red dots. Sit back, relax, and listen to today's Firearms Trainers Podcast. This episode is also brought to you by our friends at the FTA, the Firearms Trainers Association. Visit our website at ftaprotect.com to learn more about their instructor coverage offer and their competitive pricing. All certified instructors can apply for FTA coverage. Remember, for listening to this podcast, you can get 10% off on your policy by entering promo code FTP10 at checkout. This episode is brought to you by Manus X. I've been a longtime Manus user, from the original Manus X to the new Manus X10 that came out with a couple of years ago, and now excited about their most recent product, Manus Blackbeard X. The Manus Blackbeard X combines the Manus 10 and the Manus Blackbeard system into one platform for the AR-15. It unleashes a completely new capability with in-depth dynamic shooting analysis, including motion-based analysis and multi-target engagement, something no one has done before. Manus Blackbeard X connects to your smartphone via Bluetooth and can easily download the Manus X application for Android and iOS. The Manus X application gives you history on all your previous sessions, as well as new drills for the modern sporting rifle. Manus X changed the way I train, and I think you'll find the Manus Blackbeard X is a great training aid for yourself and your students. Check out Manus X for more information on their Manus products, including the new Manus Blackbeard systems. That is ManusX.com. You bring this podcast to support the industry, the Second Amendment, and most importantly, every firearm instructor in America that dedicates time and energy into making gun owners more knowledgeable today we're joined by eric gelhouse from cougar mountain solutions welcome eric and thanks for coming on the show today talk to our uh listeners
1: rob thanks for having me on i appreciate
4: the opportunity okay well not everybody might know who eric gelhouse is but for our audience can you go along and tell our audience a little bit about your background briefly um a little bit different side of backgrounds maybe than
1: some folks have uh like a lot of folks in the industry I'm prior military um, served in the Army from the Cold War th- into the global war on terror with a ground combat deployment to the Middle East. Uh, retired out of law enforcement after 29 years as a patrol sergeant a few years back. Did a lot of the things that, that active cops are able to do, patrol, community-oriented policing, gang suppression, narcotics, field training, use of force. Started teaching at Gunsight in 20, sorry, 2000. Yeah, started teaching down there in 2000. I've been on staff since. Um, and then have my own company Cougar mountain solutions, which I spun up about the time I retired and was fortunate enough to do the gun writer thing. And kind of what I think maybe sets me apart from some is I went the academic route. So I've got a master's in public administration and my coursework there focused on use of force and explaining it.
4: Very good background. That's, uh, that's great. Probably lend itself very well to our discussion day about red dots and such. So the first thing I'll uh, kind of throw out there about red dots are what, what are some of the real good uses for uh, red dots? They
1: allow the brain and the eyes to work the way the brain and eyes want to work. It, it, human beings, we're not used to focusing on something at arm's length during a fight. We're used to focusing on what the scary thing is. Um, that's how we fought with projectile weapons for tens of thousands of years, was we looked at what we wanted to hit and we did it. Um, if you think back to Little League or flag football when you were a kid, you weren't looking at the ball itself. You were looking at what you wanted to throw the ball to, or in my case, what I was going to drop when it was thrown at me. So Mm -hmm. that was a joke. Yeah. Everybody's going to laugh. (laughs)
4: Um,
1: So it lets you look there and there it's, which is a more natural thing. Um, It does get both eyes open. Right. If you're working the dot correctly, you're you're keeping both eyes open while you're while you're working with the dot. You're not fixating on it. Uh, that gives you better situational awareness, lets you see more of what's going on in the environment. Uh, as we get older and we have eyesight issues start to come into play, it's easier to work that route than it is to try to focus on something at arm's
4: length. Mm-hmm. And I can uh, I can attest to I'm one of those uh, people with uh, my eyes aren't as good as they used to be. And if I don't have really good contrast between the front and the rear sight, I have a hard time lining those things up. Where red dot, you know, as you said, I can focus on the target, just put the red dot on it, and uh, that's where it's going to go. And you know, my trigger squeeze, all those are all the same, and that makes uh, makes makes me a, a um, you know allows me to function better than uh, going along and trying to line up something that is uh, blurry.
1: Yeah, the years uh, probably in twenty ten, I took a class from Pat McNamara. And Pat's roughly my age, and he was talking about a concept of close blur and far blur. And that if your eyesight was getting to the point where you couldn't focus on the front sight, except that you're going to have a blur the sights, and you're going to have a blur of the target, and if you can put the close blur in the center of the far blur, it's going to be easy, easier for you. And once I kind of started to process that I wasn't getting a crisp sight picture, that I was getting that close blur, um, when I started the transition to dots, um, a year or two later, it made it a lot easier to understand
4: that. Mm-hmm. Uh, how long have you been uh, running a dot?
1: Put my first dot on a pistol in 2010. Um, it was an Insights MRDS that sat up on a dovetail mount on a 1911. So it kind of looked like an optic on an M4 with a whole bunch of boreline sightline offset. Um, that was more for ex- experiment. Uh, all of 2012, I had a Trigicon RMR on it, Smith & Wesson M&P for work, it was kind of an experiment. We figured this would probably come at some point and we wanted to have some idea of how they would work in a law enforcement context. Um, There were no holsters that supported DOTS at the time. So there was a lot of work with EMT shears, Dremel tools, and emery cloth to get open up holsters to where he could work the DOTS with it. Um, The first DOT I had on the gun lasted about eight months, pretty decent round count on it. And then it broke. Um, and I broke a series of dots over the next several months, so probably about 15 or so dots over the course of the year. Um, and I walked away from it. I didn't trust them at that era, mechanically or electronically, th- that they would hold up. Uh, it wasn't until, until 2018 that I came back to the dots.
4: Mm-hmm. What were the main things that were breaking on the dots for you back then?
1: For me, um, with a Trijicon RMR on an m I was breaking them mechanically at the windage. There were plenty of folks who were breaking them electronically, and those seemed to be Glock seemed to be on glock pistols. that they were having electronic failures.
4: Mm-hmm. That's interesting.
1: I, I haven't been able to sit down and talk with an engineer about it, but I wanted I'd like to find somebody who understands recoil well enough to tell me why the differences in the failures.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you're running the M&P and other people were running Glocks and you had uh, different types of failures on both. <laughs> uh, at the time, were you running like suppressor heights the sites so you could go to you know, backup irons or? Yes. Was it just, okay.
1: So back then, there, there were no core or MOS mounting systems. Uh, the only way you were putting, the only two ways you were putting an optic on a gun was either a uh, aftermarket, bracket that would replace the rear dovetail sight and then set it up very high or you were sending it off to a a small handful of machinists or gunsmiths that were milling the slide specific for the optics and that's what i had done and in both cases um on those guns they were milled specifically for a trichicon rmr and they they had the suppressor height sights on them
4: okay well it's uh it's interesting uh from that standpoint What are some of the uh, bad things that you've noticed um, when it comes to, you know, red dots, besides, you know, the, the, the basic, the difference between the two failures there. Specifically
1: um, folks thinking that it's a panacea just by its mere presence, right? Trying to buy skill. Um, You've got to put in the work with it. So one of the things that we explain in the, in the pistol mounted optics classes at gunsight or those that I do is there's things that change and there's things that don't change. So my, shooting platform, whatever it is, doesn't change just because I go to a dot. Um, The concept of a flash sight picture doesn't change, but we'll talk about visual attention in a sec. Um, My grip on the pistol doesn't change when I'm going to a dot. My trigger press doesn't have to change because I go to a dot, but most folks find that having a dot will change their trigger press. So it's a weird little thing, right? You're not changing it to make the adjustment, but the adjustment will usually end up causing you some changes to how you manipulate the gun. The visual attention, getting it off, stopping, focusing on the dot and starting to focus on the, the target or the threat is probably the hardest thing to convey. Um, accepting that there is a significant size difference between the size of the dot and the traditional front sight, meaning that if you saw like you're thinking it's moving, yeah, your, your iron sight moves too but it seems to move less because of the size of it. Mm-hmm. So getting people to kind of accept um, a degree of imperfection that they they were still experiencing with irons, um, but they think shouldn't be there because we've gone to the optic there. So trying to get them to shift their visual attention, trying to get them to accept. And I call it imperfection. It, it may not be it. just accept the wobble. Um, and understanding that you don't have to micrometer the dot into the center and then not expecting it to solve every problem without work
4: Mm -hmm. yeah what's your recommendation when it comes to the size of a dot that uh, a student runs
1: i'm comfortable with anything in the three to six moa range so Mm -hmm. i came up on aim points on rifles uh starting late 90s where that was a four moa dot so with aim point now having a 3.25 dot trijicon has a three three-ish minute of angle dot. I can't tell you exactly what it is off the top of my head. Um, anything in there works the six MOA dots good. You know, And your iron sights are anywhere from 11 to 16 MOA. So it, anything in that three to six range for me works pretty well. Smaller mm-hmm. than three is, it, I find it difficult to work with. So I was reminded of that when I picked up a new Aimpoint T2 uh, last week and was trying to figure out why the dot was so small.
4: yeah the uh the dot uh, depending upon what your usage is i mean if you're out in bright sunlight and uh, outside you probably need it to be brighter um you know no matter what the size is compared to if it's dark out but if it's dark you probably don't want the brightness up quite as much but you got to find a happy median especially if you're going to be switching between those uh frequently
1: with the way i will set uh, my dot up unless I'm down in Arizona in the summer, in the summertime like July and August is I'll go into a light colored room, shine either a weapon mounted light or my handheld light on the far wall on the light colored wall, and then adjust the dot to where I can see it over that white light whenever I'm going to set it. And I just leave it there. Is the dot just visible above the white light? Then we're good. Um, again, and the exception being in the Arizona desert in the summertime.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's extremely bright, and you can't hit. You gotta take it and, bright and turn it up a couple notches for sure. Uh, do you have a specific brand that you like now?
1: So, the caveat is I worked for Aimpoint for four years in the late mm-hmm. 00s after I came back from the Middle East. I am very partial for a duty optic uh, towards Aimpoint's Acro P2, the current version that's been out for uh, probably 18 months now. Or- mm hmm. Now at least announced eighteen months now, um, I have a couple three pistols with the Acro P two on it, um, but that it's not that it's too big of an optic for concealed carry because I carry I have a pistol set up for concealed carry with that on there, but it has a couple sharp ed- sharper edges on the back end that will print. So for concealed carry, I'm fine with the Trigicon um, RMR or the the open emitter hollow suns. Just because of the way they're cut, they tend to print less.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah, they got more of a oval kind of shape to
1: them. Yeah, it's there's there's like a swath, almost like the Nike swoop. On mm-hmm. When you look at it from the side, that doesn't seem to print as badly or print the same way that kind of the mailbox uh, design of the Acro prints. Yeah, the
4: mailbox, the bread box uh, that Acro Pro has, you know, is a little square and, and allows for... Easy, easier printing. I mean, I, there are ways that you can always go long and mitigate it, but there's it's uh, it seems, seems from what I've seen a little bit easier if you put on the same gun, put in the same holster. Mm-hmm. One's going to one's going to print easier than uh, than the other one. Yes. Or you know, what's your uh, preference between uh, the closed emitter versus the open emitter?
1: That, that varies between. Is it a duty optic or something? I'm running open, openly carried out in the woods or carrying concealed. If I'm carrying concealed, I'll accept a little bit of belly button lint um, or skin getting into the open emitter optic. Uh, it, the open emitter optics that were more susceptible to dirt, dust, crud, um, and environmental stuff. So for an openly carried optic, I prefer a closed emitter.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah, It's
1: okay. more the role than the, the design.
4: Yeah, because uh, one of one of the things that's kind of interesting that i've heard uh, you mentioned on previous uh, podcasts you've been on and such is you know having those open emitters you tend to also go along and challenge your students to figure out how to work around them when they're when something gets gets in them
1: and so yeah one of the things that i include in my classes and i did did a block the last couple of years at the RangeMaster taccon was on is on broken blocked emitter broken blocked optics sorry and go through, okay, if it, if these various things happen, how do you fix them? Not that it's, I'm necessarily gonna get anybody to shoot a PC, PPC match that way, but if I can give their brain the path to solving the problem, if they experience that kind of failure, then they're gonna be able to work through it that much quicker. And we'll do downed optics where the batteries died. We'll do the window being compromised. We can do the optic being full of crud. Um, Had this happen to a student a couple years ago in a carbine class. He was using an open-emitter optic and a belt holster, went prone with the rifle pretty aggressively and scooped up a bunch of Mother Earth. And when he went to stand up, he could see the whole optic full of the dirt. And I'm like, okay, just do me a favor. Take a sight picture with your pistol. And that's when he found out what had happened to him. Um, There's a constant concern on the internet about optics in the rain or optics in wet weather. So one of the things I do in the class to kind of take away the novelty and let the brain see the different pathways is we'll use a squirt bottle on the optics, give it a couple of squirts of water while it's in the holster, and then the student draws and shoots a drill with that wet optic so they can see what actually happens to it, see how it, how it plays out over the course of firing a few rounds. We'll do that a couple of times, so they can see it in different ways before we move on, but it's just, it's to take away the, the, the novelty and let them understand how they can work through and solve the problem even when the conditions aren't perfect
4: mm-hmm. yeah because uh we know you know if you're ever going to need something it's probably going to be in the worst in the in the worst possible conditions you know possible snowstorm rainstorm uh you know things along those lines and you've got to know how to you know properly sight sight your gun even if you can't use the uh the dots just you know essentially the same uh, scenario if you're uh iron sights got ripped off for because of some problem you got to be able to go along get to that natural point of aim and know that if you go along put the back square part of your gun and you cover the target with that your sight your shots at a reasonable distance will still hit the target might not be as precise but they will be they will hit the target which is what it's all about in a self-defense situation
1: yeah and so if you look at a lot of times we think of sighted fires being the front sight in the rear sight equal amount of light equal amount of height but look Mm -hmm. at the work Jim did. On the NYPD stakeout squad, where he was presenting the pistol, looking at the back strap of the revolver and the hammer, but being able to see the sides of the cylinder. And if he could see either side of the cylinder, then he knew the gut the orientation of the handgun was off and he needed to correct it. So one of the ways we work through some of this is with slide orientation. I like the backplate, the the back plate cover as my aiming mm-hmm. reference, but other people like the shape of the optic. Other people like working down the side of the slide. But we show all those options in classes and give folks a chance to see what works for them.
4: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, once you get the students and you take them through that, like you said, you know, they then allows them to have those options in case they ever get in that situation to where the optics failed or there is water on it, different things along those lines. And one of the things, too, that they realize very quickly, especially if it's water or dirt, is if they get the first shots off, that recoil impulse will most of the time shake most of that out of the way. Now, it won't turn the the optic back on if the battery goes dead or something else like that, but you'll at least to well look through the window at that point. Yes. Which okay. then allows you, if you got, you know, suppressor level sights or you, your sights are tall enough, you could, you know, go to your backup iron sights without a problem for more precise shots on on target. And that's the starting point of that whole process is kill the dots
1: and then work with the irons and then work with all these other things. The good news is we're getting now optics that sit low enough and that the mounting solutions are low enough that we're almost to where we can use regular height sights with some of these optics. Um, I have an M&P shield that's an off-duty pistol, and I can use the stock sights that came with that gun with it. Uh, I have another M&P that was cut by uh dug up at atei and he sells a much lower height site that goes with that it's not the full suppressor heights it's barely noticeable different um height-wise from traditional iron sites just because he's got it so low so the good news is we're getting smaller sites too smaller Mm -hmm. iron sites.
4: yep and again you know the manufacturers are lining them up to you know for. Different purposes people have and, uh, you know, making the iron sights fit better in which, you know, smaller iron sights mean that it won't snag quite as easily on clothes and different things like that. And then with uh, lower red dot sights, they uh, are down lower. So you don't necessarily need need taller sights. Right. So that's really good. I've had my my uh, optic go out one time during Moss. I class and I had to go to uh backup iron sights until I could swap out to my backup pistol. But it was, you know, one of those things you gotta learn and it's a good experience from time to time. So the brain knows what to do in those kind of situations.
1: What was the failure point?
4: Failure point was uh, it was electronic problem on a okay. HoloSun uh four oh seven C. Okay. So end up sending back. They sent me a new one. I haven't had a problem since
1: Hollow Sun's got a really good reputation for the quality of their warranty service um how how quickly and easily they are to deal with on that um and they do seem to listen to the customers in terms of what they're designing
4: Mm -hmm. yes agreed um one of the things i just came back from the nra annual meeting shows hollow sun was showing off their new uh, model which is actually have a larger window for it for those uh uh, for those uh shooters that want to have a smaller or have a larger uh, window window look through now they've got an option with hollow sun and you know a lot of them are going smaller but you know, there's sometimes some some instances where you want to have a larger window to be able to see things
1: yes i i have been told i have one of those hollow sun competition optics coming to look at i'm currently looking at a couple optics uh brand new optics from cnh precision i uh, have one mounted and getting ready to mount the other one and doing some work with those and seeing how those kind of play out
4: Mm -hmm. yeah i've got a couple from uh that i'm testing right now so i will uh check and see what what uh, how they work uh under load i just uh haven't had time with all the other things going on my life doing doing things as you can see uh, right Eric can see over my shoulder that I've got got them uh, got them sitting there and they're still in the plastic. So, haven't popped them open yet, but I will be because uh, anxious to see how how those will uh, work compared to my uh, suns that I got because I've got three of those that are run on my uh, carry and backup guns. Yeah.
1: it's funny we was talking about Aimpoint earlier. I have an Aimpoint T1 on a Glock pistol, which is several years old, so
4: and it still works, huh?
1: Still works. Yeah,
4: you know, well, that's really good. Uh, it it shows the uh how good the electronics have gotten um, mm-hmm. you know that, that, that you can run something and you don't have that many failures and i know for my hollow sons i've put probably at least uh five thousand rounds through each of them uh you know prone positioned doing all different uh type of uh, position work with them and i can say they um held up well you know they get some dirt in them different things along those lines but if you learn how to sight down the side of the slide um backplate those type of ways you can get that first shot and then miraculously the dirt or the water whatever's in it kind of floats away and then you can get back to business with the more precise shots
1: and it's it's also been interesting to see how over time the mounting solutions uh that people have developed and and the different paths so that Point T1 that's sitting on a Glock, that's on a Unity Tactical Atom mount where they came up with one l- very large dovetail that took up most of the back of the slide. And then they were just cut for the different the different optics. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's that one's kind of stalled. They've got a replacement for it that came out right before COVID hit, but they haven't gone too much farther with that because of other projects. So it, it's fascinating to see where the different companies are going with different solutions over time.
4: Mm-hmm. yeah I, I can't recall which company it is but they actually uh went along they said they've got a specific uh site that they've got cut into their into their guns now and that was at the annual meeting again too but i can't remember what the, what the brand was but they've got it cut for one specific uh, site so that it fits fits you know very snugly you don't have movement you don't have uh, all those kind of factors to it and i could see where Pistol manufacturers, instead of just giving you a plate to to bolt to, that they may actually go along and start supplying you know, the optics with the gun to make sure that they're installed as precisely as possible.
1: Um, SIG has done a really good job of that, selling mm-hmm. their pistols with their optics.
4: Yep, their Romeo sights and things.
1: Both Glock yeah. and Smith now have SKUs that are initially at least available, law enforcement purchase only where they are cutting the slides at the factory for the RMR and the the Aimpoint Acro P2. And Glock, I know, is doing the Holosun because that's the new gun sight service pistol. So you're getting manufacturers that are cutting the slides for those specific optics. So people don't have to worry about plates. You just have to decide on the footprint. Um, Mm -hmm. And once you decide on the footprint, you can figure out what optic you want to go with. I know initially the... Aimpoint Acro had a standalone footprint, but now there are three companies, uh, Aimpoint, Steiner, and CNH Precision that are making enclosed emitter optics that will fit onto the Aimpoint footprint. And there's a number of companies making optics that fit onto the Trigicon RMR footprint. And that's only gonna benefit the end user by giving them more choices.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure Given you know, another four or five years, they'll probably be settled down to, you know, a couple different footprints because you know then it's going to be then it's going to be going along and saying okay who can manufacture it manufacture you know something that works better you know cheaper uh those those type of uh, questions and going along and having uh, a unique uh, footprint for your optic isn't going to be a, a good one for going along selling to the consumers or or to law enforcement too
1: yeah i think we'll see well right now we've we've got we kind of got four or five foot footprints so the rmr the Liverpool Delta Point Pro, and then the smaller footprint that's RMRCC, Shield RDS, which Holosun is also making optics for. And then you have the aim point footprint, and then you have Holosun's enclosed emitter footprint. So that four, that's five, and I'm sure there's more, but those are the the five I know about. Um, I i think we're going to see a point where we start to standardize on about three of those.
4: Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, from a manufacturing standpoint, this is going to make sense. Yes. You know, without yeah. doubt, you know, both from the optic standpoint and from the gun manufacturers, you know, Glock will be, you know, unless you special order, it, be doing hollowsuns suns or something. And Smith and Wesson will have theirs and SIG's already got their yeah. uh, their sites that they can do. Yeah.
1: So. Um, one thing I don't know if we touched a bunch on was. The visual attention, the difference in the visual attention of the focus, um, one of the ways we can get folks to get used to shooting with both eyes open and shifting their attention from the front sight, as we traditionally have taught, to looking at the target of the threat is doing occluded optic work. So kind of like working an aim point on a rifle where you can flip up the end cover and close it and the dominant eye will see the dot and the weak the weak eye or whatever we're calling it this week, would see the target and the brain would put them together. We, we're doing that with handguns now. Um, Freddie Blish, who is my boss at Aimpoint and I teach with at Gunsight. Freddie has found that there's through the research, there's about 10% give or take of folks who just the way their optic nerve is wired to the brain. um, They cannot shoot that occluded optic stuff without having issues. So then it's a question of, you know, the trick is on the instructor where how do you find a way to reach the student with that? And there's different ways to do it. I know I've done poems on targets before and had the student read the poem through the optic Mm -hmm. to get them to shift their attention from the dot. To the target um, or downrange focus like that. So there, there's different ways to do it. Um, you just have to be creative on that. But we know that the occluded optics um, work seems to solve it for the vast majority of students.
4: Hmm. That's uh, that's interesting. What are some other challenges that you found with students as far as teaching them uh, how to, how to effectively use use a red dot? So the
1: presentation will be the first part. Um, getting the optic into the eye target eye threat line sooner Um, and and then be able to do it consistently because over the years we've had a fair amount of sloppiness um, with our presentations because the eye will pick up the optic, sorry, pick up the iron sights in its periphery and kind of redirect the sights on target. Um, So it's working on that, getting them to pick up the dots sooner, not necessarily faster the next is accepting imperfection with it so one of the things a couple of things i'll do is i have them work the presentation reverse we start out on target so you're looking at what you want to hit the dots there and then we'll start by bringing it back farther and farther through the presentation so from on target to just below your jaw then on target to back where your hands meet up then on target eventually back to the holster and work the presentations from each of those steps, giving you more time picking up the dots sooner in the process. Um, Accepting, so then on the imperfection part, there's a couple drills I've got that force the student to shoot it in a way that is radically against their thought process because, wait, the dot goes in the center of the optic and I'm making them drive the optic to the corners. I'm sorry, drive the dot to the corners of the optics to show them that as long as their trigger press is good, they as long as the dot is visible to them, they can take the shot and get the hit that they want to get. Mm-hmm. And then the last part is accepting the feedback that the optic will give you about your grip, over gripping it, under gripping it, anticipating the shot, trying to make the gun go bang, um, how you're working the trigger when in terms of what you'll see the dot do in the lead up to the to the ignition,
4: so, and definitely, it's um, it's one of those where it can give you a lot of information if you're if you're co- uh, cognizant of uh, what's what's actually happening as you're uh, pressing that trigger.
1: It's, the irons tend to whisper to you. We'll, we'll see it, but we may not necessarily process it. When you see that dot streak across the screen as you screw something up by over gripping or under and trying to make the gun go bang now yeah that's when you'll start to get like hear the yelling of the dot at you about what you're doing
4: mm-hmm. definitely because one one of the big things that uh i run into when people are running dots where they can't find the dots and that's you know all comes down to you know uh grip pressure you know they're they're gripping it with too much of their you know index fingers and not enough with their uh, pinkies drive the drive the <laughs> dot into their line of sight The majority of the time, that dot's going to go high.
1: If it disappears, it disappears high. Mm -hmm. Uh, Try to get used to freezing the gun where it's at and moving the head to find it. But once you kind of get where that path is, then it is either, depending on what verbiage you're comfortable with, tightening the pinkies or tightening your whole hand. Mm -hmm. Scott Jadlinski will talk about tightening the pinkies, cranking everything down. Dave Spaulding talks about tightening your grip. And draw, and that that tightening of the grip will bring it in from wherever it is at. Usually,
4: mm-hmm. as long as you got a good, as long as you got a good grip, it'll yes. that'll do it. So, a lot of it comes down to doing doing all the basic basic fundamentals correctly, and the red dot will enhance it, but it won't won't go along by you performance if you are not doing all everything else right.
1: Yeah, you've you've got to put the work in on the front end.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and hey, who doesn't like going to the range and shooting shooting a couple hundred rounds type of thing?
1: But it's dry practice. A lot of it's dry. And Mm -hmm. that is the good news is it's free 99. Once you get it on the gun, just work your dry practice. Um, There was a Phoenix area cop who he doesn't put it out anymore, but for several months, he would put out uh, a dry fire program every day of the week. And it was about five minutes of dry practice every day. And then every so often he would just throw in a thing that said, you know, today's dry practice is go be a good human, take out your neighbor's, your neighbor's trash, right? Help them with their yard work. Um, and, you know, unfortunately, Chris doesn't put that out anymore, but it was just five minutes of dry practice that was incredibly doable for everybody around there. And I will work at the start of my dry practice, what I talked about with the presentation on the dot. Just five acquisitions of the dot coming from below my chin, five more from where my hands meet up, and five more from the holster just to work on acquiring the dot in those environments and then start into whatever I'm going to do dry practice-wise.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Dry practice is always the easiest because you can do it, and, and it's free, too. And that's where you, like, you do dry practice and do things, and then when you go to the range, yep press the trigger, and guess what? You're doing all those things you just did in dry practice, and it's like costing you an arm and a leg, as they say, especially when ammo prices become real high or, or ammo becomes scarce. Mm-hmm. So, I like that uh, for it. Great. Well, hey, Eric, we've been asking all our guests this year about naming an event, class, or place that you think uh, Second Amendment people should go and uh, do or see to, you know, understand our, our country and our and firearms.
1: So, I heard Steve Tarrani already say the place that employs both of us gunsight. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And that would have been my first thought, but since Steve already mentioned it, I would go with the battle road in Lexington and Concord, um, Massachusetts. I had a chance when I went back to finish up grad school in Vermont to get out and walk most of the battle road at both Lexington and Concord and see where the British Army was trying to go out. and get in get into a conflict with the colonials and try to to seize their ammunition and gun caches Um, and to go spend a bit of time walking that see the history tied to it see why um our 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 ancestors made the decisions they made stood on the ground that they stood on and how that actually looked and played out i think was well worth it it was it was as beneficial as any of the academic stuff on that trip and quite frankly probably more so as a citizen
4: to see mm-hmm. that yeah i would uh concur with uh, those kind of places are really good to kind of know and understand that you know there were uh, colonists that were willing to stand there and fight for what they believed in and uh you know sometimes in america it may seem a little bit um you know disorganized but at the same time, the principles that the country was based on are still here. And it's uh up to us to maintain those principles and you know keep the country going forward.
1: And understand where we came from and mm-hmm. how we got to where we are today.
4: Yes, definitely. Definitely. That's that's a good one. I like it. I like it. And if I can get up to Massachusetts sometime to see some of the some of my friends up there, I probably will most definitely check out the Battle Road.
1: It. I got a chance to play tourist on that trip and that was one of the neatest that was the neatest part of the trip
4: mm-hmm. Yep, that's cool um i've been to gettysburg but a lot of different battlefields that have not been uh that far up for uh revolutionary war type of things but um yeah it's uh one of those things you really got to realize there were some very committed individuals uh you know back then 1776 and uh you really realize that it not not as easy as sitting back behind a computer these days and uh, set, sending a quick letter to your congressman or something else like that, which, uh, you know, too many of us don't do. It's actually getting out there and, uh, you know, literally putting you live on the line. They did. So. Well, Eric, where can people find out more, more about you and Cougar Mountain Solutions?
1: So uh, the website's still a work in progress, but it's CougarMountainSolutions.com slash blog is currently where you can get to the front end on it. Um, I'm on both Instagram and Facebook as Cougar Mountain Solutions, Um, and I, besides teaching for Cougar Mountain Solutions, I've been teaching at Gunsight. Tom Givens was gracious enough to have me at TACCon the last couple of years, and I'll be there again. Uh, When it comes to Red Dots, in addition to Gunsight's classes, and I put that program together, I'll be in Dallas June 9th through the 11th teaching a pistol-mounted optics instructor class that's an open-ish enrollment. Uh, We're doing combination of law enforcement and those folks who've been through the first two classes in the range master instructor development course was trying to find something that would be equivalent to uh, kind of a state and nationally recognized law enforcement instructor class and Tom's basic and advanced instructor classes give the student a week's worth of training. So that's why I went with that as the threshold for the non LE folks. To come to that one mm-hmm. um in the fall i'm teaching at guardian conference uh, probably doing some pistol mounted optics stuff like low light as well and i'm also doing the Thunderstick summit in las vegas in late october and as well as teaching at gunsight and any classes that folks want to host me for
4: great and uh hopefully well probably by the time this airs uh TacCon will probably be sold out because the last I saw was uh, TACON was uh, 80% of the way sold out already. And this it, is just. So uh,
1: as of where we're recording it, it's been sold out for about 12 hours.
4: Oh, okay. Well, it's it sold that. out this morning.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's sold out incredibly quickly this year. So, mm-hmm.
4: yep. well, it shows you the popularity of it and the usefulness of what Tom's, Tom's put on.
1: Yeah, Tom has done a great job getting a really good mix of trainers that people are interested in seeing um and putting them in a place where they can kind of give the wave top highlights of their material and still get good information out to the public
4: Mm -hmm. and you can select among uh 40 different trainers over three days to be able to go along (laughs) take all kinds of uh, topics from you know revolvers to shotguns to pistol mounted optics to you know first aid it's uh
1: yeah, I think I, I did three classroom presentations on research and scientific studies, and then did live fire blocks. Or I taught live fire blocks on uh, pistol-mounted optics and shotgun this so.
4: mm-hmm. year. lots of stuff. Lots of stuff to do there. So, well, I didn't get in there soon enough because I couldn't get my vacation approved. So, I guess I'll uh, be looking for another year to go uh, with it. But yeah, it's uh, TACON is on my list of places to go. Eventually. It's worth
1: it, and I look forward to seeing you there.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I'm also trying to get to uh, Tom's class if I can make my vacation work uh, sometime and become Rangemaster certified also. So we'd like to do that, but there's only so much time in a year, and I seem to be running out of time. Um, maybe when I retire, I'll be able to do that.
1: <laughs> yeah, I retired, and I find I'm a lot busier now <laughs> than I was when I was working.
4: Yeah, so. I I understand that. And my wife's already got things things for me to do when i retire and retirement for me is still probably about 10 years off so working toward it oh good well eric i appreciate your time to, uh, today hopefully uh the instructors take uh, the information we've talked about it and apply it to their classes and what they can do to help uh, their students to use red dots better because uh, it is the wave of the future but it's not as uh, it's not a panacea for everything and you got to know where when and how to do it and how to make students uh, successful with what they come to class with yes sir okay they're here Mm -hmm. definitely well have a good one thanks again well that's a wrap for this episode i hope you found it interesting what Eric and I were talking about with the red dots and you share it with your friends. Do you have a topic you'd like me to talk about or somebody you think I should interview? Email me your suggestions at ftp at com, And also check out the other Concealed Carry podcasts that are out there. The On-Duty, Off-Duty podcast, the original uh, Concealed Carry podcast. Also, check out the Guardian Conference coming on September 15th through the 17th. Great opportunity to get lots of world-class training from national trainers. Leave us a comment on our Facebook page, on our website. Doesn't matter where, leave us comments. Always like hearing from people, whether you like an episode or like something different uh, coming up. So our Facebook page is Fire Trainers Podcast. Our website is firearmtrainerspodcast.com. And our email is ftp at concealedcarry.com. Also, want to ask you to visit our sponsors, especially the Farm Trainers Association, FTAProtect.com. Check out their instructor insurance. I've got their insurance product, and I think it's a top notch product. I think you'll like it too once you check into it. And remember, as listeners to this podcast, you can get 10% off from your policy by entering promo code FTP10 at checkout. We bring this podcast to support the industry, the Second Amendment, and most importantly, every firearm instructor in America that dedicates time and energy into making gun owners more knowledgeable.
5: You're listening to Resolution Radio, Radio, Radio,
2: ResolutionRDO.com.
5: I meant what I fucking said. And now I got a bunch of people asking me, oh, what are we going to do? What should we do? Educate yourself. Spread the word. The United Nations has just declared war on the truth. They're telling you outright. If you speak up, you're a conspiracy theorist shouldn't be believed. Should be approached in a certain fashion, the authorities should be contacted, and all kinds of neat shit. Do they want war? Arm yourself with facts. Get out there and start telling the people. You don't want to do it on social media? Do it at first. Do it on the telephone. Do it like we used to do, standing around the street corner having a coffee. Do you know who your enemy is? The World Economic Forum. 51 years they've been working at this, they've been planning and scheming, working as hard as they can, and now, here we are. Coach Schwab has admitted that for over 45 years, they've been working directly with the CCP. Now here we are in Canada and the U.S., We got 5G, military-grade 5G technology right across the country. Where did it come from? Who owns that technology? And what's gonna happen when they don't like it? Get to know your enemies. Get to know the facts. Speak the fuck up. Be a warrior. That's what we need to do. Instead of following Marcus like a bunch of fucking sheep.
3: Iodine is naturally acquired through the soil, which is at the foundation of our entire food supply. Modern farming techniques have stripped the soil of this essential trace element, which has caused an iodine deficiency in about half the population. And there are two things we need to do about it. We need to practice more regenerative farming, There are plenty of proven technologies in permaculture and biodynamics that will naturally keep the soil rich with iodine. And we need to ensure that we get the sufficient amount of iodine every day, derived from ancient sea salts found thousands of feet below the Earth's surface. Our InfoWars Life Survival Shield X3 is hands down the best. Pure nascent iodine. Stabilized in an activated triiodine form, for a healthy thyroid and a healthy metabolism, get yours now at InfowarStore.com. In the early 1900s, certain companies were off-gassing highly toxic fluoride gases into the atmosphere. The surrounding communities began to get sick. Laws were enacted to compel these corporations to install scrubbers to convert these gases into fluorosilicic acid, still highly toxic but containable. Now these companies had a stockpile of this poison, and there was no affordable way to dispose of it. Lucky for them, one of their major stockholders was also the Secretary of the Treasury, who was responsible for the Public Health Service at the time. And by 1950, the U.S. government began buying this toxic, untreated industrial waste product and dumping it into our drinking water. Reputable studies show that it's causing various cancers and other disease. With the Alexa Pure Pro, you can have clean drinking water and a remedy to this madness. Available now at InfoWarsStore.com.
2: Hold on right there, my friend. Uh, that's very interesting and giving you a little bit of background on our featured guest for the evening, Stefan Brockus of Arctos Media and Europa Terra Nostra. A little bit of background on who he is and what his story is. And We'll be back with hey more there, next. Hey there, family. This is James Edwards, your host of the Political Cesspool. Folks, I want you to subscribe to the American Free Press, America's last real newspaper against all odds afp has and continues to publish a populist independent print newspaper with an unparalleled track record founded by a dedicated group of experienced patriots afp pulls no punches and tackles the most controversial and pressing issues facing america from an america first perspective i've worked with the american free press since even before the beginning of tpc now that's something You can subscribe to the print edition by visiting AmericanFreePress.net today or simply pick up a handy digital edition subscription. However you do it, subscribe to the American Free Press, America's last real newspaper, by visiting AmericanFreePress.net or by calling
3: 1-888-699-NEWS, AmericanFreePress.net.